So we're going to continue here in Matthew 24 and 25. This overall theme of this chapter is this question, are you ready? I titled this morning's sermon, And Then Many Will. And you can look at that as a sentence, or you can look at that as individual words. We see all those words together in this section, and at the same time, we see those words repetitively come up as Jesus steps into answering a question that the disciples ask, which we shall see as we read the text. We've been covering a lot of material lately. We are going to slow it down drastically. We're only going to look at the first 14 verses this morning. So Matthew 24 says, Then Jesus, excuse me, he went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Surely I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For or because many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For a nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then... They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. Then... Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Lots of information. Jump down to verse 33 really quick. 
He begins teaching about a parable, but Jesus says, So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. And what's he referring to? His coming and the coming kingdom of the Lord. All right. How many of you guys are Bible buffs? How many of you guys love to study God's word? Come on, raise your hands. We're going to interact a little bit. How many of you were consider yourself to be prophecy buffs? Like you love studying the end times, the return of Jesus Christ. I'm a Bible buff. I'm not a prophecy buff. I'm a Bible buff in the sense that like, I love the word of God. The word of God contains a lot of prophecy. My understanding and my perspective on prophecy is that God gives us information about the future so that we will know that he is God and none other. So you sit in the book of Ezekiel. God sends this Ezekiel prophet to the nation. And over and over again it says, this I am telling you is going to happen in the future so that when it happens, you will know that I am Yahweh, that I am the Lord. So the information that Jesus is giving to his disciples, it is prophecy. It is predictive. It is predicted, predictive of the times, not just throughout history over the last couple thousand years, but it is also predictive of the time immediately before what's called his arrival, his coming, his second coming, the parousia of the Lord. Now, why I say I'm not an end times prophecy buff is in the sense of like where I geek out. When I say a buff, like this is something that excites me. This is something that energizes me. When I look at the signs occurring in our times, whether I can say this is that, like this is what the Bible says and this is here is what is occurring in our culture, like that excites me in the sense of Jesus is coming. And this is all of our hope that our God who came and became a man to die for our sins, to give us victory over death, victory in this life and victory in the future. He is seated on the throne of heaven right now. And he is going to come back and he is going to rule and reign as king for all eternity. And there's multiple prophecies that are associated with that. I get excited about that. But more so of... We're gonna, I'm going to go through a bunch of headlines here in a minute that are indicative of the sign of the times and the predictions that Jesus gave just in this section of Matthew. And there's many others that we're going to step into next week. But when I get like really excited is I get really excited when you're excited about your relationship with Jesus. That's what excites me. I'm not excited about getting my my charts and my calendars about predicting what the end times look like and when Jesus is going to come back because he tells us nobody knows the day or the hour, but when we see these things occurring, we know that he is near. We're to look up because our redemption is near. He is close. He is coming. So yes, I think and I believe that we, without a doubt, in my mind, we are living in the end times, that Jesus is going to return soon. However, if I'm wrong and he tarries another thousand years, I'm okay with that. Do you know why? Because that means more and more 
human beings that he created in his image will be in his presence. So he gives us this information to wake us up to the world in which we live. He gives us information to cause us to look up, to have our attention on him, and he gives us all these warnings in the process. I printed out, this is from Thursday, so this is headlines from, that are on the Drudge Report on Thursday. So if you don't know what Drudge is, you probably have your head buried in the sand, but that's okay. It's a, he's, he aggregates different articles. So it's just a good snapshot because he's going to different websites and he's pulling article headlines that he thinks is relevant. But this is just on Thursday. And look at all the different things that Jesus talks about, how we can just look at the headlines of a singular day that are going on. And... Um, I'm not going to really comment in depth on many of these, but please don't hear any political comments whatsoever. There's a lot of information behind these headlines that I could care less about. I'm just looking at the headlines. First one, Trump Twitter doc says, Jesus will destroy Facebook if it doesn't put vid back. So Facebook took down a video, right? And this person is saying, Jesus is going to destroy Facebook. Thus saith the Lord, if you don't put my video back up. What did Jesus just tell us about and warn us about as the sign of the times? False prophets. That statement is a false prophecy. Jesus is not going to destroy Facebook because somebody's video is not reinstated. Okay? But people make all these kinds of claims all the time using the name, the name of the Lord. Um, clearly, as we're talking about COVID, on this day, Herman Cain dead from COVID. Um, talked about it was Florida's deadliest day. So as we just talk about the idea of pestilence, we're going to get into that. Clearly, our headlines are all about a contagious disease. Another article said that Baghdad soars to 125 degrees, its highest recorded temp. Also at the same time, Phoenix to break the record for its hottest month. Doesn't really matter where you sit in the idea of climate change and those kinds of things, but the subject matter of earthquakes is dealing with upheavals in the earth as you sit in famine, as you sit in disease, often those things are dealing with climate kinds of issues. So when we see those types of headlines, often there are many are saying of pointing that to a sign. Puerto Rico's power grid fails. That becomes important because the other headline was that somewhere about the Florida hurricane says that I don't know, on the same day somewhere, talked about the hurricane that was heading towards Florida. There it is, Florida forecast, hurricane, right? So same thing with climates, but, you know, power grids, so much of our lives revolves around our power. We sit in this, we sat without power for 24 hours this week, just for one day, miserable. What would you do without power for an extended period of time? Again, how much our supply chain, our food, our medicine, all those kinds of things revolves around our power grid and the flow of that power. When something like that goes out and its susceptibility, again, people pointing to how things are being set up. 
One of the major things on Thursday said that our GDP, our gross domestic product, plunged a record 32.9% in the second quarter. Wow. I don't know if you guys, what you're reading on that, but when you sit in economic unheaval as a consequence of the contagious disease, Jobless claims spiking. It says stocks battered, a developing story. So major economic issues dealing with sitting in further technology issues. This title says how governments use geolocation data to identify everyone. The tech companies on Thursday, there were... (laughs) Testifying before the antitrust committee, the monopoly committee. So you look at the major tech companies and all the information, the private data about the, that us that they hold on to, how that will be manipulated and used by governments in the future and even today. Another article says Russian jet fighter buzzes two U.S. spy planes over the Black Sea. So wars and rumors of wars, battles. Chinese artificial intelligence creating an axis of autocracy. First gene-altered squid thrills biologists. It's not really in the Bible, but I think, you know, all of our gene manipulation, whether it's plants or animals, how long is the Lord going to let us mess with genetics before he comes back, before we're all growing two heads? I just, I think that that stuff's really weird and very dangerous messing with. And because, this, this, this always makes me laugh, as crises rock Earth, humans look to Red Planet, NASA is launching towards Mars. I love the idea that human beings think we're going to mess up this planet so bad that we are going to emigrate, immigrate, whatever, to an inhospitable planet and populate that one. It just, anyways, it's mind-blowing to me and it's oddity. I say all that to say for all of us as we sit in our times today and as we interact in our culture, we see an abundance of evidence in regards to the soon return of Jesus. However, like I said, I think it's in our generation I hold that lightly in the sense of, I believe the, my understanding of New Testament prophecy is that as Jesus is communicating to the disciples, so whether that's here on this day that he gave this information, 10 years down the road when Matthew pinned all this information down, 50 years down the road from there, 200 years down the road from there, every single generation that sat in this information I think legitimately believe that they were the generation where Jesus is going to return. And I think that that is how all generations of believers in Christ are supposed to live. Because when we sit in this information, some of it is very indicative of the times, and some of it is very indicative of just humanity. Now last week we ended... You know, we went through a lot of information in preparation for what Jesus is saying, the idea that they missed the first coming of their Messiah, so that as we sit in his return, we ought to learn from the prior generation and not miss his second coming. This is overarching theme, but in verse 37, 
Jesus has just rebuked the religious establishment of the day. And you can see this scene as he's addressed these people. Now he's addressing all who listens. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. This means that these individuals, they did not want to hear the information that was being spoken, so therefore they silenced that information. Jesus says, how often I, I wanted to gather your children together. Just like this is the same words today. Jesus wants to gather us to himself as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But this idea, you were not willing. And this just gets back into the heart of humility. This culture at this time, because they are proud in their positions, they're proud in their culture, they're proud whatever, they are exalting themselves against God and against his word. They were not willing to bend the knee, to bend the mind, and to allow the Lord to change them. They were not willing. So he says, see, in verse 38, your house is left to you desolate. And this house here, and what is he referring to? More than likely, he's talking about the temple specifically. This is the place where in, when Solomon built the temple, we are told that the glory of God abided in the temple, that God himself was in the midst of the people, his glory filling the Holy of Holies. We are told that when through their disobedience, when God sends the Babylonians in to destroy the temple, we see that in Ezekiel. We watch the glory of God leave the temple. So when the Jews come back out of the Babylonian exile after 70 years and they begin to rebuild the temple, so Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai, Zechariah, we are never told that the glory of God inhabited that building. That building, they wept because it paled in comparison to the glory of Solomon's temple. But Herod, Herod is known as Herod the Great, and he refurbished this temple to the point where it was considered by the Jews and by those who saw it to be the most magnificent structure, period. Layered in gold and its beauty, Decked out to the hilt. So, and as Jesus is speaking these words, the temple is still in the process of being refurbished, so to say. It went up until about seven years before it was destroyed. So the remodeling of it kept on going on until A.D. 63. So as Jesus is saying these words, you see that house? It's going to be left to you uninhabited. God is not going to dwell there because you have rejected God and God is going to reject you. And he says, until, for I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, which is the psalm that they were singing as Jesus entered into Jerusalem just a few days prior to this. So that's the context. Then, so as they're leaving the temple structure, they go out and they depart. 
The disciples are sitting in the information that Jesus just said. That house is left to you desolate. And they turn around. This is shocking to them. Because again, as they're sitting in following Jesus, they have their opinions and perspectives on Old Testament prophecy in regards to the Messiah. And they believe Jesus is the Messiah, and they're correct about that. But their opinions on what Jesus is going to do and how he's going to do it, I'm sure had great diversity even in the 12 themselves. But they turn around and they're pointing to Jesus like, look at this beautiful structure in these buildings. Isn't it marvelous? How can it be left desolate? You know, you can, you can hear them almost saying what Peter says, not so, Lord, but Jesus says, do you not see all these things? I tell you, not one, no, and it's literally, no, not one stone shall remain here upon stone that shall not be thrown down. And it was in AD 70 that, excuse me, that the Romans are responding to... Um, now you all know not to shake my right hand, right? So don't touch me because I'm up here wiping snot off my face. Sorry. <sighs> okay, now that that grossness is over. Um, there's a, it's called the Jewish War. So um, for any of you who really want to geek out on why violence is used in regards to moving populations in specific directions... Uh, Pick up the phone and call Meshach. This is what Meshach got his PhD in, is election violence in Kenya, election violence in African countries, which applies to violence in our own nation, the violence that we see in the uprising of our culture. People use violence for very specific reasons in the culture. In this culture, the zealots class, right? Uh, Jesus, one of the disciples, was Simon the Zealot. The zealots were using violence to try to usurp Roman authority. The Romans came in and they clamped down. This is known as the Jewish War. Lasted for multiple years, but in 70 AD, as part of that Jewish War, the temple was burnt down. And as that temple burned, all the gold is melting. And now all that gold needs to now be mined out of that building. Stone was pulled down from stone. And again, if you look at the Temple Mount today, you see the platform and you see no other structure from this day at all. You see other structures. So his prophecy literally fulfilled. Now this creates a lot of the questions is from the disciples, right? They're listening to this information and they're coming to him privately. Tell us, when? What's the time? When are these things going to be? When are they going to happen? What's going to be the sign singular of your arrival, of your coming it's going to be the sign of the end of the age. Now, I save that for next week. There is a very specific, in verse 30, it says, then the sign, singular sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. But as we talk about what we're discussing now, Jesus is referring to all these things. When you see these things, know that this sign is near, and we'll get into the sign next week. So what does he start talking about? First thing out of Jesus' mouth is a warning. It's an imperative. This is our instruction as we sit in prophecy, as we sit in the information of the word of God, and as we relate the word of God and apply it to our times. The first thing that we are to do is we are to take notice. Notice carefully. Be willing to learn is what this idea of, of take heed is. 
learn about truth so that you can be aware of deception. Take heed that you personally are not deceived. People come and say Jesus all the time. And when somebody says Jesus, what happens to us? Our guard goes down. Oh, this is a brother. This is a sister. We love the same Lord. And then sometimes that information comes out. uh, They start saying things that do not line up with the word of God. And Jesus warns us about those individuals because there are many There have been many who say, I am the Messiah. There are many who say, I am coming in the name of the Messiah and have led many into deceit. And the word deceit literally means, it means to be led astray. So when we talk about following Jesus, it's all this imagery of the way. We are followers of Jesus in the way. He is the straight and narrow. We are following him. We are not to turn to the right hand or to the left. We are following Jesus. The only way that we follow Jesus is how? Be a Bible buff in all of its context. From Genesis to Revelation, know your God who created you and loves you through his words. And then as we have interactions as brothers and sisters, if you say something that's just, Goofy, if I say something that's just goofy, Blake, show show me where the word of God says that. You, You tell me where the word of God says that. Or if you're interpreting that passage this way, does that re- is that really what the context says? Is that really this in regards to our culture? You know, we get to engage in all these conversations, but we need to learn carefully in regards to the word of God in our current context so that as we follow Jesus, we are dependent upon the spirit to give us wisdom to lead us in his truth, not in man's opinions, including my own personal opinion. So this is where he grounds us first. And then he gives us the because reason, because many Right? Many are going to say, I'm the Christ. They're going to deceive many. You will hear, and this is an and statement, you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. I have no idea what the statistics are, but how many wars have occurred since Jesus ascended to heaven up until now? The word wars there, you will hear of wars, is plural. So I've heard interpretation, I read an interpretation this week of a guy that I really like and I'd listen to 99.9% of what he has to say in regards to the end times. He says, this is talking about a specific war and that a specific war was World War I. Now I didn't get to sit down and have a conversation with them. I don't know why they said that, but there's many that, again, a lot of it lines up with Israel becoming a nation again in 1948. Miracle of God and a huge sign that we are nearing the return of Christ is Israel becoming a nation again in 1948. But this idea of wars, wars go on all the time. Huge wars, small wars. This war, this word for war is battles. So this can be skirmishes, this can be national level. 
And then it talks about the rumors of wars. This is the content of the news that we hear. So as I was just reading through the article about, you know, Russian, Russian uh, fighters intercepting U.S. spy planes, that's kind of like Cold War kind of information. We sit in the news all the time in regards to the tension between China and America in regards to rumors of wars. This is, this is the daily news that we sit in. For me, I just think, okay, if I was a believer during World War II, would I think that Hitler was the Antichrist and Jesus was coming like now? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. If I was a believer in that era, that that's what I would have been thinking, that's how I would have interpreted the word of God. But notice what Jesus says in regards to people who are coming and saying that they're the Christ, those who are deceiving many, in regards to true wars and battles and the rumors of those things. Jesus gives us an instruction to see, and this is, this is perception, this is thinking. This is what you need to do intentionally. This is what you need to set your mind on, that you were not troubled, that you were not alarmed. So what is, as you read through news headlines, usually what happens to your mind and to your heart? Do you get a little bit freaked out? I do. I mean, again, you can, you can go through the 150 articles that were listed on the pages that I printed out. I don't remember seeing one of them that was positive news. But Jesus tells me when you sit in the news of your day, regardless of how destructive that information can be and is impacting you and your culture, see, learn. Have your mind grounded in the mind of Christ. Do not be alarmed. I am your God. I loved you. I have saved you. As we sit in, like just, okay, we're sitting in a contagious disease right now, talking about a husband and wife who passed away this past week. They were believers. We are not accepted from suffering. And he's going to get into that information. So one, notice carefully, learn about what's going on so that nobody deceives you. Two, have your mind grounded in a way that you were not troubled, that you were not alarmed, that you're not sitting in anxiety and worry, but you're taking those things to the Lord in prayer, that he will stand you firm in your faith, in him as he provides. But he makes this statement, all these things must come to pass. Literally, all these things are necessary to happen. All of these things are inevitable, is what he is saying. False teachers, false Christs, religious deception, war, rumors of wars, inhumanity, those things are inevitable. It's what sinful human beings do. Does everybody see what he's saying here? Now, all of these things are necessary. All of these things are inevitable. All of these things are commonplace, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, and these are, this is large. Uh, this is uh, whether it's ethnic group or social, political groups. So America rising up against China or Europe against, or, you know, Germany against UK, you know, just nation against nation and the opposing is not just in physical conflict. 
It's Cold War kind of tactics. It's, is China opposing America right now today? A nation rising up against another nation? Does America rise up and oppose against China, against Russia, against Iran? You know, we can list all these different national relationships out, but we sit in this every single day when you look at political intrigue. Nation is rising up against nation. The kingdom against kingdom, these are subgroups. This is a, a more limited area rather than like the major ethnic groups, the major country groups. When you have, even in our country, the United States of America, we could say state is rising against state. Do we see that in our own culture? The laws that the church has to deal with in California right now are very different than what we are dealing with in Georgia. And our governors and our leadership are in opposition to the decisions that each are making. We can sit in this information today. There will be famines. Oh, that was the one that I missed. I knew that there was an important one because this was shocking. Hold on, it's worth it. I promise. I just saw the other one. Mystery seeds spread around the world. You can meditate on that one as I find the one that I want to look at because what is up with that? I promise this is worth it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Here it is. Nearly 30 million in USA, didn't have enough to eat last week. What? 30 million people in our country didn't have enough to eat last week. Wow. Now, a famine is a widespread lack of food, lack of water, based upon all different things. It can come, a famine can come from the source of war. It can come from uh, disease, you know, uh, plant disease issues. It can come from supply chain issues. There's all different reasons. It can come from poor leadership, come poor government leadership. So famines can occur for all different reasons. But here, Jesus is saying, when we see all these things what is going to be going on in the world? I, I, again, I'm surprised that even in our own nation that that many individuals didn't have enough to eat just last week. It's pretty, it's pretty shocking seeing how my pantries are bursting. Famines, widespread lack of food. Pestilences is widespread, widespread um, contagious diseases. Clearly, we're sitting in a specific one right now, regardless of what opinions are on it. Often, pestilences come as a result of famine as disease becomes more rampant. Pestilences become more rampant during times of war. In our time where we are global travelers, diseases can be widespread very, very quickly. And we'll get into that. That's a sign of the time in Daniel in regards to 
global travel, earthquakes, sudden and severe. That was another article headline uh, that uh, Southern California woke up to a 4.2 magnitude earthquake on Thursday, which kind of like whatever because they wake up every day to earthquakes. But it's in the news every single day in all these various places. And again, various places is various areas, whether it's a small local area or whether it's something major. I still remember that, you know, the earthquake that caused the tsunami was that, was that Thailand and India where the tsunami hit where over a couple hundred thousand people died? Wow. Can I, you know, I can't even imagine. And then you sit in the famine of that and the disease of that. All these things, he says, are the beginnings of sorrow. The word sorrows is birth pains. So when we think about a woman who is entering into labor, there is a, there is a contraction going on in the body. And that contraction causes pain and it causes suffering to the woman. So when you sit in birth pains in the Old Testament, it's always imagery for coming judgment. It's, it's an imagery for suffering and for judgment. That the sorrows that the world is going through, there are contractions that occur and then there's relief. And there's contractions that occur and there's relief. But as you draw closer to the delivery of the baby, what is happening? The contractions are getting closer together and they become more and more severe. So this is one of the interpretive ideas of what Jesus is saying, that all of these things that he's already discussed, the end is not yet, but these are the beginnings of birth pains. And as we draw nearer and nearer to the Lord's return, these are going to become more severe. These are going to become more long-standing. And they are going to be for us to pay attention to the signs of the times in regards to the soon return of Jesus. And then he shifts into the whole idea of persecution. Then, then they will. So the, the word then, it's really hard, is Jesus being systematic in time chronology or is he being systematic in thought? And there are people who interpret that different ways, whether this is, um, again, chronological or he's talking about subject matter. And you can sit in your opinion on that wherever you feel. Um, but when it comes to persecution, they will deliver you. In regards to these sorrows and these pains, they will deliver you up to trouble. They will deliver you up to tribulation. And suffering in our lives as believers in Jesus can lead to multiple things. One, it can lead to persecution itself can just lead to suffering in general. Two, persecution can lead to death. It can lead to martyrdom. They will kill you. You will be hated by all nations. Look at this. It's outstanding. You will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Because you love Jesus, all nations prior to the return of Jesus will persecute, kill, and hate those who proclaim the name of Jesus. And even in our own country, even with all of its history in regards to the name of Jesus, even Christians find themselves being hated today. So it can lead to suffering, persecution can lead to martyrdom, 
It leads to deception. It leads to apostasy. Then and then there will be many offended. This is, this is talking about those who name the name of Jesus because of the persecution, because of the hatred, because of their relationship to Jesus, because of whatever that looks like on the surface, an offense wells up, a stumbling comes out. And in that stumbling, they turn to betraying other believers. There's going to be hatred within the body of Christ. Again, true believers versus in name only. Persecution leads to false prophets that arise. Because many are looking for leadership in these times. Charismatic personalities, bold personalities, are usually the ones that rise to the surface in leadership. Just because somebody is charismatic and bold does not mean they are true. They will rise up and deceive many. And we're going to read next week that they will even be able to show, perform miracles. How deceptive will that be? And then here, and again, this is, we see this in our own country right now. Lawlessness, because lawlessness will abound, whether this is without law of the culture, whether this is without the law of God in the sense of submitting ourselves to Jesus and to his will, because lawlessness will abound The love of many will grow cold. And literally it means it's going to chill. Love is going to chill. It's going to diminish significantly in intensity. Now, how are you sitting in today? How are you sitting in the language of our culture How are you sitting in the headlines? How are you sitting in the conversation? What are you hearing? Do you hear love growing or do you hear it being diminished culturally? In the body of Christ, do you hear love growing or do you hear it diminishing? Both. That's one of the, like the, the, as we sit in the signs of the times, it's not all bad news. Darkness, sin, Evil is going to continue to grow. Darkness is going to grow up until the point that Jesus returns. That is a biblical predictive fact. At the same time, what else is happening? The gospel is going to go out. Look at what he says. He who endures to the end shall be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. The light is also getting turned on in the darkness. I've heard it often. It's really easy to curse the darkness. It's really easy. It's easy in the body of Christ to say evil is evil. It's harder to go into that dark place, into those dark experiences that people are processing through and go in and shine the light of Jesus. But at the same time, what is Jesus saying? He who endures to the end. In spite of your cultural context, in spite of the context of your life, whether you have, I was born in 1976, 
My life has been abundantly blessed just in, in my household, in my relationship with wife and kids and job, all those kinds of things. I have had a very blessed life. But culturally, I've, I've grown up in a time of abundance. What we're sitting in right now, like any of the other economic adjustments that we've had prior to today, they've just been adjustments. They really haven't impacted my household. I've been blessed. I've been protected. The life of many other believers throughout history, the life of many believers today is a life of suffering. It's a life of persecution. It's a life of martyrdom, depending on the culture where people live today. Again, as we sit in this information, we interpret it and apply it through our own personal lens as we're supposed to in our life context, listening to the Lord. But the exhortation out of all of this from Jesus is despite what's going on in your culture, in your time, in your circumstance, I want you to learn. I want you to take heed to what is going on around you through the filter of my voice in your life. And I want you to make decisions based upon that so that you will not freak out and so that you will not go out into community in pride and in just rebuke and in your own opinions, but that you'll engage other human beings according to his mind, without, anxious, without anxiety, without worry, but filled with love and filled with humi humility. Because regardless of what the world is doing to you and the pressures that you feel on the outside, what is he telling you? I have you. Remain. Stand against. Stand in opposition to the activity of the devil. Stand in opposition to the activity of your culture. Stand in opposition to the desires of your own heart as you submit to him. And endure through whatever trial, whatever tribulation he's taking you through. We're all going through, Julie and I have had a lot of conversations about, it is really hard to make plans for the future. I don't know what's going to happen next week. I don't know what's going to happen next month. I don't know what's going to happen next year. I mean, just, just simple family decisions, church decisions. It's very hard to know what's going to go on in the future because everything is volatile. It changes so rapidly. But we have this firm foundation that he has us. That through faith in Christ, through patient endurance, through humility, through getting my eyes off of myself and into his word and listening to him and letting him lead me into the future, he is saying that not only will, it's not, he's saying that he's gonna save us out of our, our context and trials and tribulations, but salvation is coming in the end. Keep that relationship. Keep resisting evil. Keep resisting deception. And this gospel, not our ideas about the gospel, this message about Jesus about his kingdom, about who God is, about what he's done, about what he told us that the future is going to look like, this message will be preached in all the world. And it's literally all the earth, not the cosmos, but literally the inhabitable, inhabitable world of man is what the word world is referring to. As a witness, as a testimony. Because as this gospel goes out, what options do people have? They have the option to receive the message and hold on to it 
and bend the knee to Jesus and the salvation that he provides, or they have the option to reject it. And in the end times, we see both. And our prayer right now is in all the upheaval of our culture, that in your life, again, evangelism happens individually. One-on-one conversations. How did you come to the Lord? You may have gone to a big event and that's where you received the Lord, but there was, there was somebody who invited you. There was somebody who had a discussion with you. You may have heard something at a mass gathering, but eventually you had a one-on-one conversation with somebody who helped you understand and to grow in that knowledge and be discipled. We go out into our homes and into our community and we preach this message. God is real. God is And he is in control. We don't know the wins and the whys and the things that he allows and that he doesn't allow, but we trust him because he is faithful. How do we know that he is faithful? Because he sent his son to die for us and his son rose again from the dead and he was witness to ascend into heaven and we are told that he is coming back again. So in that information that he is coming back, he tells us what we're supposed to do. Keep loving Jesus with all that you are. Bend your knee to him today. Make the commitment to bend your knee to him tomorrow. Make the commitment to free, be free from your own perspectives and your own opinions as you interact with the world around you and ask them questions and listen. What does that individual need to hear and receive about Jesus Christ as you interact with them Not what about your opinion um, do you need to express about your knowledge on different subject matters. What does that person need in regards to Jesus? I'm saying this for myself because I'm sick of hearing my own opinion on subject matters that I don't know anything about. Does that make sense? I, I express my opinion to myself and to other people on things that I have such a narrow perspective on um, that I'm really learning the older that I get, the more I should just keep my mouth shut and listen to other people and love other people in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus alone. All right, worship team, come on up here. Lord, we love you tremendously and for all of us. As we sit in your information, as we sit in your words, as we sit at your feet, our desire is to hear your voice, Lord. We want to see you. We want to know you. We want to understand our times. We want to understand, Lord, how we can be salt and light in this community. We want to know, Lord, how teach us and give us the opportunity in every circumstance, Lord, to, to speak your words of life to whoever is willing to listen. Use us up, Lord, for your glory. Let's work for you. Let's pursue you. Let us trust you. Let our lives bring you glory and worship. Again, Lord, I am am tremendously excited by other people who love you and are excited by you. Excited to learn and excited to grow and can't wait to share, Lord, what what they've learned about you. I love it. Lord, we are, we're praying for those opportunities for others to listen to us. Let me tell you about the one who loves me. Let me tell you about the one who speaks to me today. Let me tell you about the one that I worship. Let me tell you about the one that I've given my life to. Give us opportunity to share those things, Lord. Give us the opportunity to share you. 
to preach about your kingdom, to help other people to be free from sin and from death, Lord, and from the worry of all the things in this culture, that they would know you and receive you and one day see you face to face. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.